something that we say here all the time. It's like you get to just light the boat on fire, right? So just burn the boats, cut the nets. Yeah. Otherwise, if you have plan B, you'll do plan B. If I have plan C, I will do plan C. It's way easier. Welcome to episode 13 of Creator Economy Live. As always, this is the place to get the download on all things creator economy and influencer marketing. We are your hosts, Keith Bendiz and Brendan Gann, and we are joined today by the legendary Ryan Serhant. Ryan is a jack of all trades, real estate broker, author, creator, and reality TV star. He was one of the stars of Million Dollar Listings New York and its spinoff, Sell It Like Serhant. He runs his own real estate firm here in New York. His YouTube has over 1.3 million subs. He's done collabs with Graham Stephan. His videos are epic, just to give you a sense of what we're talking about. His most popular video is touring a massive $188 million mansion. He's shown off the biggest closet, private islands, just insane properties. He's got an awesome new podcast, The Business of Influence, and millions more followers across social channels. So pumped to be here. Welcome to my podcast studio. Thanks for generously opening up your office to Bringing us. people together. I know. We were saying, Brendan and I barely get to spend any time together on the same coast. This brings us all together. Yeah. yeah. You have a lot of free time, clearly, based on that intro. So what do you do in this free time? I don't have free time, man. I don't, like, all, all I do is work. There's no, there's no free time. It's impressive what you've built. Maybe for those who don't sort of uh, know your full story and just sort of see where you're at, sure. you've got an interesting trajectory in terms of how you got here. And I, I dug up some of your soap opera clips on YouTube this nice. morning. Perfect. Can you take us way Lucky back? You. Like how you went from Houston, Houston, Texas, yeah, right? Houston, Texas, yeah. To building this empire in so real estate empire, media empire, education empire. Give us the cliff notes on that. I mean, the big thing for me, if I really look at sort of like overarching, how do I go from you know, being born on a mattress in Houston, Texas, like next to a tree, which is true. Wait. To what? Yeah, home birth, 100%. That tree is still there. They took the placenta with a seed, sap, like a little baby tree seed, and they planted it on Leafy Lane in Houston. And that tree is like fucking huge now. It's there. You can that's go that's touch it. You t- if you touch it, I feel it. <laughs> yeah, that's what my dad says anyway. Something you learn in improv classes, right, is yes and. And so I've always been a yes and then let's figure it out. Yeah. So every step of one schooling, education, coming to New York, you meet somebody else, as long as it doesn't involve like breaking the law or drugs, you know, or a complete waste of my time, I've always kind of been a yes and let's go. Let's figure it out. And then I always meet somebody over here that then takes me over here. And then that person introduces me and then this over here. And then slowly but surely, you, you don't have to climb the mountain. You kind of build the mountain around you. And then you stand there and you're like, I don't even know how this all came about. But I grew up in Texas, then bounced around Long Island a little bit, went to school, college in upstate New York for theater. It was the only thing I ever really liked was theater and English literature. And then moved to New York in 2006 when I graduated to do acting and I gave myself two years to make it, right? Because I had like some construction summer money saved up and my grandfather had died and left me 20 grand. And so put that in a CD and then just was like, all right, that's going to last me 10 years, right? <laughs> so I'll be good. Lived in Koreatown, shared a bathroom, did the whole whole thing. But I wanted to make sure I lived in Manhattan, whereas, you know, a lot of people, especially today, everyone puts like luxury and quality of life over efficiency, right? Which never, ever made sense to me. I'm like, why would I ever live in Long Island or live in New Jersey mm-hmm. to have like a true one or two bedroom with a view and a washer dryer 
if I got to commute an hour into the city, I, how, do, how do I buy that time back? Yeah. So I lived in 31st and Broadway, you know, in the center of Koreatown. So I could be on top of every single train station. So my commute time would be four minutes mm-hmm. or I could walk everywhere. I didn't care. I'll go to a laundromat, which is what I did. And it was totally fine. Anyway, ran out of money, got onto a soap opera. Then they killed me off, uh, did hand modeling, and that paid bills for a while. And then a, a friend of mine from college said, listen, you can't just do hand modeling the rest of your life. Yeah. You got to get a job. Just get your real estate license. It's just like theater, right? You meet people. It's an improv game. You, you improvise with them. You get to know them, what they like, what they want. You show them apartments that you don't have to build or buy. And you work with them on making a decision that they're going to make anyway. They're just going to make it with you. Yeah. And rented my first apartment and made like $500 and just got addicted. Because as an actor in New York City, you stand in line at Actors' Equity Auditions in Times Square for 10 hours to not get seen. Yeah. Right? And it's rejection after rejection after rejection to your face. In real estate, if someone, like, if you don't want to take an apartment, it's because you're moving or you or you don't care or you sound something else or you re-signed your lease or whatever. Very rarely is it because of my nose, yeah. right, or the sound of my voice. Yeah. So how many years is this? How long did you give the two-year window? So 2006, 2008. So my first day in the real estate business was the day Lehman Brothers filed for bankruptcy. Oh, wow. So September 15th. And then just kept doing it every day. Like, I had no, I had no money. Like, there was, it was, it was figure this out or get a survival job, which I didn't want to do because everyone I knew who had like the waiter, bartender, temp job, they all were 50 and still doing that. So I didn't want to, I didn't, you know, something that we say here all the time is like, you get to just light the boat on fire, right? So just burn the boats, cut the nets. Yeah. Otherwise, if you have plan B, you'll be, you'll do plan B. If I have plan C, I will do plan C. It's way easier. If my parents had lived in New York City, I would probably still live there, right? Laundry and free food is way better than having to be like, how much does this banana cost and what do I have to do to afford it? So you back yourself up against a wall, which sucks at the time, but thank God, you know? So yeah, so I got into real estate in 2008, put acting totally aside, and then I went to an open casting call for a spinoff of the Million Dollar Listing franchise, which had started in LA on Bravo in uh, March of 2010. So I've been doing it for like 18 months, give or take, and uh, uh, went to that open casting call and told him I was the greatest real estate agent of all time. As I was Did like, you really say that? 100%. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, of course, man. When I, they didn't know. They're from LA. People yeah, from LA, yeah. they don't know anything. Yeah. And so they were there and they were like, how, what, how many deals do you do? And it was like too many to count right now. I was just like trying to do a $2,000 rental in my pocket at that time <laughs> on my BlackBerry. And I put on a show for them, and then they cast four of us on that first season of Million Dollar Listing. And they, you think real estate is tough? Dude, like, they, they cast four of us, and they said, we're going to film a whole season with all four of you. Three of you will make the final edit. Oh, my God. So, may the best agent win. Wow. And it was, and they, like, it was mental warfare. Like, they would show up to film with me, and they would be like, oh, this is your, this is your listing? It's crazy, because I was just with your other cast member, and you know he is a celebrity, and just spent $20,000 to do this amazing open house, and you have cupcakes? Yeah, we'll see if you make it. Oh my God. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't want to do this and be the one who loses. I can't be the real estate agent on a real estate agent TV show who sucks, yeah. right? I've got to be amazing, I've got to be awesome, so I will do whatever it takes, which is why those early seasons of Million Dollar Listing, for anyone who's watched them, I am very much at like, I'm operating at 250%, yeah. you know? And then once the, you know, the show hit and then we started getting Emmy nominations, then I like kind of found my rhythm, mm-hmm. which took a while. And then social started, like Instagram got invented. 
and became a, a visual way to tell stories for real estate. And then I started seeing that people would reach out to us on social to say, hey, you're that, do you, can you sell my house? Can you do this? I'm like, we should take advantage of this. And then to make a long story short, you know, all the social started to grow because I knew that one day cable TV goes away. Mm-hmm. I know one day, like, you know, things can only go on for so long. So how do I take control of the audience? Mm-hmm. And how do I turn a community, you know, uh, out of an audience yeah. and turn that community into a customer? Like, so what is what is audience to community to customer look like? How can I do that math in the world of what I do? Mm-hmm. Um, we have to we have to own those relationships. And so education got built out of that. You know, Surian Studios got built out of that. Everything kind of got built and brings us to where we are today. Now, that's interesting. <sighs> like, th- this is great, by the way. You talked about sort of burning the boats, which I, I completely relate to. I think, like, that's really how you, you've got to, like, have something, the danger and the incentive at the same time to really propel you yeah, forward. Yeah, what's your wall and what's your win? Yeah. Right? Like, what is that one thing where if this doesn't work out, you have to go back to being a substitute teacher or like you have to move home or you have to go back to that relationship that yeah. like ruined your life. Like what is that wall? Remind yourself of it every day. Like people have vision boards all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's helpful if you need to be reminded of a beach, yeah. right? And money and like what a good body looks like. I don't have a vision board anywhere. You know, what I have is a printed out photo of myself on that face app mm-hmm. as 80-year-old Ryan staring at me like, you're going to be me before yeah. you know it. Yeah. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. No, that's a great way of looking at it. We were talking even on the walk here. Of sometimes you have to cut the rope, right? The Batman yeah. child has to jump without the rope. Sometimes you don't need, yeah. or you need nothing below that surface to really get you to do what you want to do. As long as you don't go to jail and you don't die, <laughs> yeah. everything's going to work out. Well, now, all right, so you're on the cable TV show, yes. which is, and you, you've got- Super me. helpful. I'm not, it's not lost on me. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 but but that's, I think the thing that's interesting is like, you could have been complacent within that and done pretty well. What yeah, all my you, cast members were complacent, you know? Yeah, I mean- I'm I, the only lunatic. <laughs> which fun. is, I love that. Now, knowing you had success on that, and sure, you were seeing success with social, what made you go so- ham on it because you could have easily just ridden it and been pretty chill for a while. Yeah, I could have been. I I don't know, man. I have a disease. You know, I think you <laughs> – listen, you I, there's two types of people, right? You, you either work to live. Mm-hmm. Like my friends and colleagues, yeah. right? They they have a job. They want to live. You know, it's 6 p.m. I don't want to look at my phone. They got weekends. They got their plans. They got their friends. They want to go to raves and concerts. Like they work to live. I don't know why, but I, I live to work. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'll be that way all the time. Yeah. Like I definitely do think that there's a period in my future where I will be able to look back and say, I'm kind of glad I sacrificed mm-hmm. some time and some fleeting moments of enjoyment so I can have the life today that other people's can't other people can't. I'm very very forward thinking all the time. Like even like I just came out of a meeting today talking about what our life as a company looks like 12 months from today. Everything I'm going to do today with you guys, everything I, I shoot later, the showings, the deals, the expansion markets we're going into, I've baked in my brain at least one year ago. Mm-hmm. So I try to live a year in advance at all times because that also helps me with like the roller coaster yeah. of a, oh shit, bad things are happening. It's like, but we, we plan for that already. And the social, one, I think I just like it. Like I think kind of like, mm-hmm. like any, you gotta, you know, I know a lot of people who go ham for like three weeks. Yeah. 
And it's just hard. You got to be consistent. You got to be in it all the time. I was talking to our studios team yesterday and, you know, our, we have our little HGTV for Gen Z channel called Listed on YouTube, which like is our little passion project, right? Minimal investment on my part. We just like, it's a, it's a core small team where we just do short form real estate shows that are branded, but for, you know, just a different generation. How interesting. You know, but we we haven't missed a week in terms of a new episode in, I think, two and a half, two, over two years. Wow. Right? And eventually, endurance for the win. Mm-hmm. And it's also, and it's customer generation. Like, I, I think, too, you know, I saw whether it's the Kylie Jenners of the world or the Logan Pauls. Like, if you can sell merch and makeup content to commerce, then what does the flywheel look like for a real estate business? How can I then take organic content top of funnel, create a team that just does that all day long, and then what kind of customers do I generate? So for us, I generate salespeople and people who need salespeople. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like fan and audience, yeah. right? So salespeople and people who need salespeople. Salespeople come out of the organic content funnel, and we put them into two businesses. One is called Sell It Like Sirhant, which is our education business. So it's an ed tech product for sales training for salespeople everywhere. It started as just real estate agents, and now it's salespeople across the board. So it's B2B, it's D2C. That is a 50-person payroll company now that handles those people. And we have like 17,000 members and it's a membership business in 110 countries. Um, Those salespeople, as they get trained, if they're in real estate, on the brokerage side, we grow and expand with them. So like we opened six markets so far this year, new states, all organically, all through education. So we've met all these great teams kind of through that B2B angle where we now get to go to them and our value proposition has already been created. We're not buying them, right? Yeah. We're kind of acquire hiring. Um, and then the other customers, the people who need salespeople. So now I get to take all these salespeople that we've incubated, put them with the people who need salespeople. They do deals together. They create new content. Now I'm yeah. back at the top of the funnel. And then I go round and round and round and round again. And then you have other branches. And then we do you know, the books, the podcasts, the yeah. stuff, the buildings, the... Well, it's a good proof point, too, because we talk about this all the time. It doesn't matter what business you are in. I think people will default to, yeah, if I'm in beauty or fashion, content is such a big deal. Yeah. No matter what business you are in, you are in the content business in today's day and age. If you do not have content as a pipeline for upper funnel, I don't know how you're lasting right now and having relevance. I think you recognized that early. Yeah. How much of do you feel the career so far in the six different career hats you've had was planned and sought out versus just being open to opportunity and then capitalizing? The career I have now is planned and sought out. So, you know, I I was selling real estate. I had a large real estate sales team. So there's like 65 of us across different markets for, you know, I was doing Million Dollar Listing New York and then sell like Sirhant and then my wedding spinoff show and then my my home renovation spinoff show and for like 12 years. All right, so uh, quite some time. I guess from when MDL started, so it was, it was 10 years. Because my first two years, I was just sort of, I was still like trying to do Romeo and Juliet on the sidewalk, you know, <laughs> for those first two, still hand modeling and yeah. holding phones for 150 bucks an hour. So for 10 years, I really did all that to really build brand foundation. And then kind of saw like what it could mean to build your own company. And then in 2019, I said, okay, that was my first decade. Uh, 2020 is the start of a next decade. I now have to, I have to grow because I could keep doing this. My life's fine. Life's great. Life was great. 
let me just make it a lot worse and then build it back up. Like, how do I go from the number one sales team, let's blow it up and then start the next rocket ship, Mm -hmm. right? And so my plan was beginning of 2020, set everything up, July 2020, I'll announce, I'll start my own company, right? Sirhant, and it's gonna do all these different things. I was looking for new office space. We had a lease out on, I think it was 63 Green Street, at one floor, like office, standard office in March of 2020. And then like Tom Hanks got sick (laughs) and then people started getting sick. And then this COVID thing in China and Italy all of a sudden hit us. And then police officers were getting sick. And then there's a police officer that told my wife they're gonna shut down bridges and tunnels to lock the virus on the island, like I am legend style. And because it came from a member of the NYPD, I took it seriously and we had to leave. And so I put that lease on hold and then we had to recalculate the entire business and, you know, and then George Floyd out. And so like it, it, the whole world went upside down and we're like, okay, let's just use this as an opportunity. And so then we took the summer, we built the business. And so it's, you know, the incorporated name is Sirhan Technologies. And then underneath it is real estate education and then the production studio. And then we launched in September, September 15th, 2020. So 12 years to the day. And then, so that has been very planned and calculated. Everything up until then has been a lot of, Yes, and and now it's you know we're we're moving forward as best we can. Creator Economy Live. Join Keith and Brendan live and in person, as well as hundreds of brands in Vegas on January seventeenth for lively conversation and debate about everything in the world of influencer marketing and the creator economy. How do you structure the content team and social team? What does that makeup look like? Well, they're called Surhan Studios. So they're in part a cost center for the agency and then in part a profit center and agency for outside brand deals. Okay. So kind of across verticals. And so there's a head of studios. His name is Cody D'Ambrosio. He was at Players Tribune. He was at BuzzFeed doing video content. Super, super great guy. It's a hard business to run because you think about you need to run the business mm-hmm. and then you need to fill it with creatives, you know, and those typically don't mesh well. Oh, yeah. I right? know that. As you guys would know. <laughs> so, so finding somebody who, you know, could think through KPIs and OKRs and think through like a P&L and help understand how to build a real business, but then also have an aesthetic eye to understand color correction and understand lighting and white balance and to, you know, have a have a good ear for sound and, you know, all this stuff is hard. So found him. So that was great. A few of the guys that had been with me for a long time, Adrian Vasquez, Jason Puma, who were like early vloggers for me back in the day, you know, joined in and kind of started to run brand and thinking about what that system looks like. And so we have a core team for property tours only. In New York, they're just doing the property tours. So like the on-camera and then the virtual tours all day long. There's drone components to that. There's kind of the walkthrough components to that. Then we have the listed team. Then we have the agent brand team. So we have brand strategists and some social help there for them. We then have the Surhant social team. So there's a a couple of those. uh, And that's run by Calvin Hamilton, who I met actually when he was working with Gary Vee. So he's great and he's a growth hacker guy, which is which is good and we move quickly. And then I have my vlog team, 
who handles all my socials and craziness and deals with my stuff. And then we have podcasting. So we have Mikey here and Gabe. Studios is then in different markets for us, so different house markets. So we have studios in the Hamptons, we have studios in South Florida, and they kind of continue to grow there. It's definitely a unique value add, Yeah. right? So how do you, you talked about OKR's KPIs. Yeah. At a certain company size, especially when it's owner-run, you can yes. look at it and just say, this is clearly working and it's clearly paying off. But how do you dig into the nuances of how the content is performing for you? Kind of like you'd look at an e-commerce business, right? So you look at COGS and so you look at, like, what is the, the cost of acquisition? What's what's the cost of actually doing the business? Like, what are the unit economics? So, sure, I can do property tours for agents all day long. It's great. What does it actually cost? Yeah. Like, what does it cost per agent per production, right? What is our what does our unit output look like? So, if we're going to put the investment into creating the content, we want to make sure that we're putting that output out there. You know, what is a what is a high level goal? So that's what you call like a BHAG, right? So big, hairy, audacious goal. What does that look like? So. Our big, hairy, audacious goal was always: I want to be the most followed and subscribed to real estate brand in the world. Aren't you already that? Yeah, but now how do I <laughs> now, now how do I keep it? How do I keep it now? How do I keep it? Because there's people that're chomping at the bit, you know. So I got to keep it, and then um, we look at it that way. Yeah. And then you know, I also because it's now it's big, and so now we have you know all these other agents, and they're all in their own way influencers, and we have all this beautiful property. You know, we've started to do really interesting deals with very unique companies that I never would have thought we would have done deals with who aren't necessarily just interested in me anymore, which is great in my ability to, you know, scale. Mm-hmm. So what does product placement look like in, in lofts, right? If we're going to take the videos and do the property tours anyway, and we have all these verticals, if you have a new water filter or you have new pillows or bed casings, et cetera, you know, we can go to those owners and say, hey, our property tour is sponsored by... Casper or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, and they don't care. It's like, sure, whatever. And so it's it helps then kind of cover costs for studios that way. And then we start to do the, the kind of the larger brand deals as they come down to kind of, you know, real estate, but also luxury adjacent mm-hmm. services. Like our oak tree is definitely sales and real estate. Yeah. And then there's lots and lots of branches. So like the education business that spun out of all this started with just a how do I take my first book, which was Sell It Like Sir Hant, and turn it into a digital course? Because at first I thought I would do like a, a mastermind tour. Mm-hmm. And I did it once and it like killed me. And I was like, I don't think I can do this on the road. Yeah. What if I could do it digitally pre-COVID? So we dropped that in August 2019 and it just crushed it. It was insane. And then COVID hits and then the world changed, right? So you had every salesperson from any retailer ever who sat at home and was like, Maybe I go do that. And we just, that business went from, you know, it was like this. It was fine. And then just kind of redefined itself into COVID, which was pretty wild. You know, and there's a content play to that too. That's awesome. Well, I have sort of two thoughts. One is, what is your dream property like tour for for YouTube? Let's do that one. Then I've got another one afterwards. I've done a lot of them. You know, we're, we're selling this $250 $250 million penthouse at Central Park Tower on the park that's wild. Like, that's a great tour. The first one that we mentioned, the first one I ever did where it's like, am I really doing like what I do on Bravo? Am I going to do this on YouTube? Like, this is like when I shot that, I think you even tell. Like, I had sneakers on, I had a mustache. <laughs> like, I was in LA for the Sell Like Sirhan book launch. So I was on a book tour and just happened to like have access to this thing. And I'm like, there's a helicopter. All right, let's go. 
Let's go shoot it. And like 15 million people watched it. If 15 million people watched an episode of Million Dollar Listing New York, it would never, it's never, that doesn't happen. That was your first ever YouTube? That's hilarious. Same thing like my first ever TikTok. Like a a day later, it was was like a bedroom tour of a cool loft we had in Dumbo in Brooklyn. It's like 1.3 million views. And so I'm from the mind of like, if you can pull in 800,000 to a million viewers live, right, on Bravo, that's season renewal after season renewal after season renewal. Like in one day, and it used to be in exclusive agreements that sellers and developers would want me to put things on TV. And it shifted real fast to, okay, we'll hire you, but can I be on your YouTube channel? I'll give you my entire building. But we want to be on TikTok. And also, can you promote my daughter? You know? Oh, my God. I love that. And That's so, amazing. Listen, listen. I am for hire. Right? Whatever it takes. If you're going to, if it's a, you know, it's a billion-dollar sellout, it's a $50 million penthouse. Yeah. But going back to your original question, like, in New York, we don't have access to celebrity homes. Right, like they're like they celebrities have places here, mm-hmm. but they're pied-a-terres, they're part-time, yeah. or they're super private because of security. Yeah. Like I don't have the insane LA type mm-hmm. stuff, right? I think it would be, I don't know. One day I'll I'll give a tour of Tom Brady's house, and that would <laughs> probably be like I'll be I'll call it I'll call it at that point. You ever want to do a ghost town? <laughs> I think I, you know what you know. So we could have. Um, it's it's all. Dude, it's all schedule. Yeah. Like one of the yeah. one of the most fun tours we ever did was this was a couple summers ago, back before my life was as crazy as it is now. And we just had more time. And I was yeah. like, guys, let's do like a three episode, so YouTube arc, where we go to Colorado. Yeah. Right. And we go to Colorado and we'll go see my parents. I'll do a house tour of the house that I grew up in in Colorado, put my parents on camera, and then we'll get a call and we're going to go see John Hendricks, who founded the Discovery Channel. And we're going to go see his ranch because that guy like bought mountains and turned it into his own personal house and then put like millions of dollars worth of cars there. It's a hotel. It's everything. It's insane. You get there by helicopter uh, and we'll do this like three episode thing and we'll do a road trip to it. Those are like millions of views per episode. Like that was awesome. If I was a professional YouTuber, I would do stuff like that all day. But I am a professional salesperson. (laughs) Did you go to the tree? Did you tour the tree? The tree in Texas? No, I've not. I've not done. I haven't been in Houston in a while. I'll make a good episode. Make a good episode. Yeah, my birth tree. Next time I'm in Texas, I'll definitely do that. Next time you're in California, if you want to go to— A ghost the, town? Yeah. Have I told you about this already? I don't know. Did you buy a ghost town? Yeah, with some yeah. buddies. Yeah, 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 Now it's like a YouTube channel with like a million and a half subs. So. That's insane. Good collab if you ever want to do it. I definitely. Next time I'll I'm in California. Yeah. Yeah, ping me. Mikey, let's remember that. One thing you referenced and I wanted to ask you about was like rejections. As an actor, you were constantly going in and having to get rejected. And I feel like there's a common theme of, like, so many successful people where, where they had jobs. Like, maybe it was, like, a telemarketer or an actor where you were constantly faced with rejection and almost, like, inoculated you from, like, that fear. Yeah. And so you just, like, propel yourself forward because you're like, I've been rejected a million times. I'm good. Yeah. Do you feel like that, like, feeds into all this? 100%. Some of our top salespeople we have here weren't – they're not, like – rich kids, mm-hmm. you know, the rich kids and the wealthy people that we have, you know, at the firm, they're great. Yeah. But they have a different understanding of life yeah. than, you know, I have an agent here. I met him selling t-shirts, right? He, so he was a t-shirt salesman mm-hmm. and he wanted to like, he would like make custom merch, I think like in his house. He does huge deals all day long now. 
because he just knows how to move. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, spending those two years in New York City with constant rejection, living with two roommates who had real jobs, making money, and me being nervous at all times, like that, I don't forget that yeah. ever, you know? And so I, I think you have to appreciate the struggle as much as you possibly can and work for it. Otherwise, you're never going to, you won't understand the level at which your ceiling can really rise. Yeah. You know, yeah. like if there's always that comfort blanket, you're always going to be warm. That's why Gen, Gen Z, millennial, I think the term sales has a negative connotation, but I value sales experience straight out of college more than probably anything else. And I don't care if you're going into marketing, operations, finance, you're still selling all day long. You're selling your family, you're selling your colleagues, you're selling external. Yeah. I just think that that experience is invaluable. Sure. Yeah, some of the best salespeople all started as waiters. Like, mm -hmm. to be able to have that kind of, you're on, fresh-faced personality. Every single table you go to, you have to have a good memory. You have to move fast, right? And you're upselling. Like, if someone's sitting down, they don't look hungry, but I think they need that steak, yeah. right? You're upselling wine. You're upselling all day, every day. They're going to make the decision anyway, and they don't have to. You're not, like, at Outback Steakhouse with a knife, you know, saying, <laughs> you better get that wine. Like, you're learning how to make, you know, customers with the two Cs, right, in the first 30 seconds. You're giving someone a compliment, and you're finding something in common right away, mm -hmm. right? Always. Compliments are easy with regards to clothes because everyone figured it out, right? You're finding something in common, so obviously you're at a restaurant or whatever scenario you're in. And then you're just building those customer relationships kind of over and over and over again. And so I, I look for those people yeah. a lot. You have to invest a lot into them because it takes time because they don't have the network, mm -hmm. right? But they definitely understand the, the power of work. And I think Gen Z, for as much flack as everyone gives the next generation, which I think like if you went back to the Civil War, I'm sure they were giving their next generation flack too because they were like, you don't, you don't know what we've been yeah. through. You know, and that's how we all sound now. I just think they have... Tons of options. Yeah, exactly. Like if I was born with an iPhone, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I would have made different choices my entire life. Yeah. Like if you can make money on your phone today and you're 12. Yeah. You know, it's why UPS drivers are now going to get paid $170,000 a year, benefits included, because how else are you going to be able to incentivize everyone to drive a truck? Yeah. You know, so which then pushes you, up costs for everybody. How do you then speak to, so we obviously we deal with creators all day long, we deal with yeah. brands all day long, this generation of creators who made money building content. See, you're an interesting use case. You had this business and then this content empire exploded and, and helped the business as well, but the business core was already there. Yeah. For all of these creators who are now making money off of content but feeling a little bit either burnt out or just questioning the longevity of doing that at oh, scale. Sure. They're very confused at how do I turn this into businesses? Yeah. So you're seeing shitty products being mm -hmm. launched because you just want to get some revenue from products. All the subscription services, the ad revenue, they're almost confused on how do I even do this? I guess when you talk to people who are creating and trying to build business, what do you say to them? What do you, what do you encourage them to do? One, it depends on what they want to do. I think they have to understand what do they want their life to look like, mm -hmm. right? And understand that if you have a great following on social, you probably have about five years. Right, before people get bored. Like it is, yep. is what it is. Like Casey Neistat was doing a video every single day, right? And he built his audience and doesn't do that anymore. Right? He used to look forward to Logan Paul's vlogs all day, every day. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember the last time he put one out. Yeah. Clearly he's doing well. And so like you just have to take a step back and understand that what you built is an audience. So you built an audience that likes you for what reason? And you had to have like a real visceral, honest chat with yourself as to like what are they following me for? 
is it my body? Yeah. <laughs> right? And am I really going to be another person who goes into bathing suits? Um, is it is it because of my body but fitness, in which case I can turn that into an energy drink, right? That's why you've got the whoop band. I, you know, I used to whoop band for a lot of different reasons. It helps track workouts and then sleep, although I know when I sleep. Um, but it also helps me keep the rest of my bracelets above my palm. <laughs> so I also have it that way. And if you want to turn that audience into a community and that community then into a customer, how do you create a personal brand? So my third book, I don't think I've ever told anybody. Anyway, my, my next book, I don't know when this comes out, will come out in January. And so it's called Brand It Like Sirhant. And so it's it's for the creator economy and for, for the influencer, but kind of for anybody on how to build how to build a brand in the 2020s and 2030s that can actually generate revenue so that you're not just out there running around making cool videos yeah. and then trying to figure out how do I make enough money so I can buy my first house, mm-hmm. right? Or you're not out there kind of blowing everything in the first couple years and then what are you going to do? You're, it's still going to be dance monkey for the rest of your yeah. life. So you don't want to do that. So how do you actually create something and a lot of times what I'll tell people is, like, what are you absolutely best at? So for me, I'm best at, like, I'm the face, brand, and expand. And I can have the customer conversations. I need people behind me yeah. that do everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like when we're in recruiting and hiring for our businesses, we're always looking for people who are uniquely qualified at what they do. It is of no benefit to me to hire and inspire. Yeah, anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like get inspired on your own time and come to me with uniquely qualified value adds for our business. So if I'm hiring a chief product officer, let's say, or a head of product or VP of product for sell it, that person is coming out of a very, very identical business mm-hmm. so that they can bring their learnings and then I can hire and grow, you know? And so same thing for anyone who creates content all day, right? You need to back yourself with somebody that truly understands business and really figure out what is that one thing. And then you got to go hard on it for as long as you've gone hard on content. If it's taken you three years to build whatever following you have, expect it to take three years now for you to be associated with this new business. Because you're you're going to have to shift people's identity for you the same way I have to do now. For a long time, people knew me as celebrity real estate broker, kind of a wise ass, sometimes jumps in people's pools. Because that scene played over and over and over and over and over. (laughs) And then I made a conscious effort of, okay, so that took me 10 years to get to there. So now I'm like three years into shifting it to Ryan Serhant, real estate broker, entrepreneur, CEO, Mm -hmm. tech investor, thought leader. And it's slowly working. People still stop me on the street, though, and they're like, oh, are you taking your pants off? (laughs) Like, no. I don't do that anymore, man. You're the pool guy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I think the book is so well-timed, first of all, because I think that message is critical right now. And I do want to be the first to stay on record. If you sold GAN, Speedos, or wetsuits, I'd buy them. (laughs) I think that is on brand. I'm in. You should do it. You should do it. I got to get back on the grind of taking a little bit of a beat on the content. But yeah, I, uh, it was funny. We were talking to Brian yesterday. I'm, I'm pretty shameless now. I think I'll do just about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's so, it's so to anybody. Like, what is it with Chris Rock? He's like, I don't care. I'm drinking Coke and I'm drinking Pepsi. Whoever's paying me the most. Which then there's a whole conversation of like authenticity and what do you believe? What do you not believe? And then you have AI and you have deep fakes. And I don't know how to believe any, anything I see now as I'm scrolling through, you know, if it's Biden and then Trump or some or whoever, 
Yeah. I believe nothing yeah. ever. Yeah. Like, I don't even know at this point. Like, you're going to start seeing videos of me with my voice doing property tours yeah. in Singapore, and it won't be me. Yeah. So yeah, That's a great point. It's pretty wild. So for, there's a benefit to that. You know, it was always hard to scale a personal brand. Mm-hmm. Now you can do it. But then there's the, the downside to that, which is like celebrities have had to deal with like deep fake porn for a long, long time, which has been a major issue. So what does that look like now for political influence, right? What does that look like now for the spread of misinformation? Yeah. Like if you, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I don't even, I don't even know. If you were going to start over today, yeah. totally from scratch, where would you start? I pick one platform and I go hard every day. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to figure out what you're what you're good at. If you can be in front of a camera, I go hard on TikTok all day long, mm-hmm. and you rinse and repeat content. If you're not, that's totally fine, and I go hard on LinkedIn. Right? I think there's an untapped audience there that is very very real and very cognizant, and so I would pick one of of those two. Yeah, we're both big big yeah, supporters of fans on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. TikTok. Or sorry, LinkedIn. I, I've gone ham on TikTok too, but definitely LinkedIn I'm the most consistent on. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, we do a lot. We do a lot on LinkedIn and then it's it's good for kind of organic lead gen and yeah. it's good too to, you know, I, I do them all. And so LinkedIn is like a good, it's a good legitimizer because anyone can get in front of a camera and dance and have an editor and whatever yeah. you're going to do and it's fine and who cares? View, what do views even mean anymore? Exactly. Like, you know, you're scrolling, I see it's 90 million views on someone and you're like squeezing an orange, you know, or it's like, so it means nothing anymore. And harder to build an audience on TikTok versus LinkedIn. The audience is, is highly valued once they're actually yeah. following you. Yeah. yeah. And then like, what's the next thing? So what is your what is your personal identity? How do you own that IP? What do you want to be known for? But I think really, really keep it niche. Yeah. Keep it niche and keep it consistent. Like I, I remember when we first started building sales like Sir Hans, and I was like, we're going to do sales training for every salesperson all over the place, which is eventually what we'll get to. But I got great advice from somebody that said, you know the number one educational resource online in terms of like gross profit is? I was like, I don't know, Harvard Online. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Like, there's a guy. It's how to train your orchid. No way. So it's flower training mm-hmm. for gardeners on how to keep orchids alive and how to breed orchids. Guy crushes it. Wow. So hardcore niche, yeah. and you own that audience. You know that's that's where I would start today. So, niches like, what is riches. your thing? Niches. Yeah, niches. Yeah, niches create riches. If you're the best at anything, yeah, you will do well. And so do you go into the place where it's hard to become yeah. the best, or do you go to a place where it is the best? Do you ever think about, worry about, you know, there was an article the other day. I think it was Business Insider, but I don't want to get that wrong, so we'll post it. But it said the kind of the, the riches and the threats of DTC-founded founder brands. So a lot of these companies, DTC-founded, yep. the owner is the face. They yep. were the creator. They do something or they fall out of fashion. It kind of hurts the brand long term. Do you ever think about longevity of the brand and how much do you try to keep your face assigned to it or try to create this other entity outside of it? Yes. I mean, that's my life, right? So uh, key man life insurance is a real thing Mm -hmm. in case you die. And then you go both ways. Like I I thought about maybe not calling the company Sir Ant. I looked at lots of different options because I have the same fear. Like what if something happens? But then if something happens to me, do I care? <laughs> like, you know, so it's like, so what, what is what is going to drive the brand? Is it flowerboxrealty.com or is it surhan.com? Yeah. You know, what's going to drive lead flow? And so I think you just have a responsibility as a creator founder 
to not make mistakes. Yeah. Like, don't be an idiot. Like, every time we film, you know, when someone says, well, I don't want to go on camera because, you know, these TV shows make people look stupid. I'm like, they only make people look stupid who are stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you don't want to be an asshole, don't say asshole things. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, well, I don't know. I mean, but, but, I can't, but, but, but I might. Like, okay, then you probably shouldn't do that. You know, so you you have a responsibility to your audience, to yourself, to your family, to your business to be healthy, mm-hmm. you know, to not do stupid things, to not make dumb mistakes, to be super, super reputation and brand focused, but also understanding that the world moves super fast. Yeah. And things are a heart attack on a Monday and then they're not that bad on Tuesday because there's another heart attack. Like, what's that girl? She was the one who saw something invisible on an airplane and freaked out. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. I might put money down that that might be one of the greatest PR stunts of all time. Because then two days ago, she comes out with, like, fire photos with some company that's about to come. Yeah. You know? and. No one's going to care that she saw invisible things. It was just some random thing, you know, that started to create an audience. And I think you might see more of that stuff, yeah. which, like is, which sucks. Yeah. But it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Do you have any favorite creators or favorite brands from a social perspective that you watch and love? Yeah, I have a lot. I mean, you know, OG, you know, I don't think I would be in the creator space if it weren't for Casey. I think a lot of people say that. I know him personally now, and he's been a cool mentor for us, you know, and for me over the years. You know, Logan has been super cool and super, super nice to us and to me. And, oh, yeah, you did his pod. Yeah, and allowed me to, like, do his property tour at his house, you know, originally before he sold it, which was super cool. So following him has been fun. You know, the Mr. Beast of the world. But I like, like, new creators that are doing things differently, especially in kind of, like, the way we look at our space. So there's a girl, her name is Emma Rogue, and so she has a vintage thrift store in the Lower East Side. Super young, you know, based in New Jersey, but she's turned, she went from Depop, right, to TikTok and now has her own store and is opening up other stores and is selling vintage clothing, all based on kind of, you know, her personal brand yeah. that people get excited about and, you know, has created this this unique kind of following, which I think is super fun. That's um, awesome. We should have her on. That's an awesome story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, her name is Emma Rogue. She's great. Thank you so much for doing this. Any last parting thoughts or anything? If you're looking to buy or sell a home, <laughs> there you go. There my is. email is ryan@sirhant.com. I should have hit you up. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you for hosting us. Thanks yeah, for getting us in person. This was really amazing. Thanks for listening. And for more of the latest news on what's happening in influencer marketing and the creator economy, check out the Creator Economy Insider newsletter, delivering awesome content straight to your inbox every Friday. And if you want to meet Brendan and I in person, along with some of the incredible guests that will be joining us on the show live and in person, join us at Creator Economy Live on January 17th next year. You can find links to the newsletter and more info on the live event in our bio. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode.
This podcast is brought to you by Linkia, the number one influencer marketing partner for the world's leading brands. Having executed over 3,000 campaigns for more than 650 brands, Linkia combines technology powered by Google Vision AI with award-winning service to deliver measurable influencer results.